Franchising is the most misunderstood and most overlooked form of entrepreneurship. We're here to educate you and help you find the entrepreneur within. Franchising is not all about the French fries. We find that individuals who are exploring business ownership tend to have a lot of misperceptions and misunderstandings about the franchise industry. So what we want to do is help prospective business owners make confident and educated decisions before moving forward or not moving forward with a business. Welcome to Unpredicted Entrepreneur. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of Unpredicted Entrepreneur. My name is Sarah Wasco and I am joined by my colleague Roxanne Rapsky. And the purpose of our podcast is to bring things all, uh, bring things to you that are franchise related. We've had a variety of guests just sharing their experiences with us. And today we are thrilled to welcome Sanjay Gahani. Sanjay is a partner and Chief Revenue Officer and CFO, I want to make sure I get all of your titles <laughs> correct, for Building Kids Worldwide. And so, Sanjay, welcome to Unpredicted Entrepreneur. We're thrilled to have you today. Uh, I'm so excited to be here with both of you in person. You guys have great energy, and uh, I'm just happy that we got a chance to do this here as opposed to over Zoom or something like that. So We appreciate you. Thank we you. appreciate you coming uh, to join us in person. Sanjay actually lives in Northern California, so we are blessed to have you in the studio today. And we met you a few months back. We're just super intrigued by your story and the story of building kids worldwide. And so Roxanne and I looked at each other and said, he'd be a good podcast guest. Aww. So we're <laughs> always on the prowl. We're always on the prowl. That's right. We're always on the prowl. And so um, we found your story interesting and we knew our listeners would too. So uh, our, the title of our podcast is Unpredicted Entrepreneur. We mm. felt like you fell into that mm. category. So sure. tell us a little bit about your background and experience prior to joining Building Kids Worldwide and kind of what led you there? Sure. Uh, you know, uh, student athlete in high school, uh, went to college, uh, baseball career ended there. And so had to get a degree, got a degree in electrical engineering, went back to Silicon Valley and thought I would uh, just have a career in high tech. Um, started out with the company at Xilinx and uh, ended up having a 15-year career there, in which I traveled quite a bit. And it was great when I was uh, single because uh, I didn't have much money and I got a chance to get new experiences without having to pay for it. Um, but I got married and it worked for the marriage. It, was, uh, it wasn't out of sight, out of mind. It was absence made the heart grow fonder. So I'd go out for a week or so and come back. Um, and it worked. But I became a father in uh, October of 2012. And after spending about six to eight weeks at home, um, just with the entire family and welcoming the newest member of our family in, I found myself in Munich uh, in January of um, 2013, and at that time, I just wrapped up a long day of work, and I was kind of just walk, going for a walk, and I thought to myself, I'm going to miss out about half of my son's life because I was traveling around 17 weeks out of the year, and you know, I, I felt like I'd committed a lot to my, you know, my uh, career, and and so I didn't really think too much about it. And I really wanted to make sure I could still provide for the family. So I kind of uh, thought about it and then just went back to doing my thing, going back to the grind. And uh, a few months later, I was having a conversation with, uh, with my wife about preschools. And uh, we were, at that time, my son was about six months old, and we were thinking about putting him in when he was around two. And 
I'd heard that it's a little bit challenging to get into a good preschool. And so we should start a little bit early. And so we had a nice discussion. And uh, at the end of it, I said, hey, you know, why don't you take a look at a few preschools and let me know what you think? And uh, the conversation ended with her giving me a kiss on my cheek and saying, hey, look, you know, I haven't slept for four hours straight since this kid's been born. <laughs> How about you take this project on? You know, you just wrapped up your MBA. You could use some of those skills. You could assess oh, I love it. You know, these schools. I took it to heart. Uh, so I'm going to go scan the environment. So I literally went to about 50 different preschools. And I had some time. I said, I'm going to take a look at what's going on here. And I binned them into three categories. No way would I ever. I would if I had to. And I absolutely want to. And every school that I absolutely wanted to put my son into had an 18-month wait list. Wow. So I started really thinking about how challenging is that for parents? You know, everybody wants to put their child in a high-quality preschool with a great curriculum, great staff, and where their children are safe and they're nurtured. But they have to make these decisions because they have a need. They have to go to work or they need additional support. So that kind of crossed my mind at that time. And I walked into Building Kids, just fell in love with the program. Um, fell in love with everything that they were doing from the minute I walked through the door, the way I was greeted to the way the children were being treated, uh, the performing arts, I uh, saw kids dancing and really enjoying themselves. And, and to me, it was definitely a place I wanted to put my son into. And obviously they had an 18 month wait list. But at that time I had a chance to sit down and talk to Vanita Bandari, the founder of building kids, who's known me since I was six years old. Um, and so I sat down with her and, and I said, uh, now, this is amazing. You know, she had at that time five schools. She had started with one school in uh, 2003 and grown into five schools in the Bay Area. I was doing amazing things. And, and I said, what's your vision? You know, she said, I want to touch the lives of a million children in my lifetime. I was like, okay, well, you know, quick back the envelope calculation, uh, same biblical times, you know, like 150 years old. How long are you going to live? What's the plan? <laughs> what's the growth strategy? Yeah. And um, she said, look, I'm focused on operations and quality for every child that comes in through our doors. I want to make sure they have a world-class experience. I don't really have time to focus on that piece of it. I said, you know, this is something I could really get behind. You know, this really feels right for me. Uh, how about you give me an opportunity to invest in the company? She said, look, you know, I don't really need your money, but I could use your help. So oh. why don't you learn about this industry, work with me. And if you don't come on board full-time as a partner uh, before your son starts in January of 2015, I'll give you your money back as if it were a loan. But I'm not going to let you keep an equity stake in my company if you don't believe in what we're doing. So by the grace of God, hard work, good luck, uh, between Vanita, Sangeet, my other partner, and I, um, we doubled our footprint to 10 schools um, over 14 months. And uh, I gave my boss about a three-month notice. And said, I, you know, it's tough to walk away, but this is something I have to do. Um, and so with my parents' support, you know, the elders in my family with their support, um, I decided to walk away from my career as an employee and move more towards entrepreneurship. I have a question. Yeah. I want to stop you right there. Did yeah. anybody give you the your crazy speech? Because, my dad. Okay. Because there's always somebody. <laughs> there is. It's, it, Absolutely. Because there's always somebody that thinks you've lost your mind. No, my, my father's my advisor, um, whether it's financial matters, relationships, everything. Yeah, between my parents, I get, I've been getting great advice my whole life. And my mother's always been just super supportive. Everything I do, she's like, yeah, I'm with you, you know, and we talk about it. My dad's a little more analytical. And he was just like, you know, you've dedicated 15 years to this career. And this is the time where you're supposed to make a move up 
and really get up into senior management, director, you know, C-level, hopefully one day. And my concern that I shared with him was, I'm not sure if it's all worth it if I'm not going to see my son. So if I can find another way where I can do good and do well for others and also provide for the family, I'm willing to even make less for that time right now. And, uh, and he understood where I was coming from and he supported me. But initially he was like, oh, this doesn't sound right. But after we talked about it, he kind of understood where I was, where I wanted to be and where my heart was. And then they've always stood by me after that. But yeah, That's but absolutely. Great. Yeah. It's all about that. You should, the way you described it was that balance, right? Mm -hmm. What value is a great job and all that money if you're missing out on your son's childhood? Because you, you can't get that back. You nailed it. And it's such a limited time. And that child's changing so fast, mm -hmm. so often. And and I really believe that, you know, ever since he was born, I believe that my son belonged to the universe and that I had chosen to take a responsibility to make him the best person that he could be. Um, so he didn't belong to me. He belonged to all of us. And, uh, and I couldn't do that if I wasn't present. And so it was a blessing, you know, even, even though it's hard work starting a company, it, it's, uh, it's crazy. Um, I, there were a lot of obstacles that we faced that I didn't foresee, even though I thought I'd kind of mapped out what I was going to be facing. But um, at the end of the day, I think, you know, seeing my wife at lunch, like he was coming in, I was taking my son to work. Our first office was above our largest campus. And it was only three of us um, at the time. And, uh, and so I could take my son to work and then see my wife at lunch, We you know, have lunch together. Then she would take him home and I'd see him for dinner. And so uh, it was, it ended up working out. And I'm so grateful that Vanita gave me the opportunity to, to engage with her, that Sangeet was on board at that time. It was kind of just a lot of things just happening at the right time and being yeah. at the right place and at the right time. It was great. It felt right. That's wonderful. So you had how many, how many locations did you have before you start decided to start talking about franchising? 10. You had 10. Yeah. And then when, how, when did, what started the franchise conversation? Yeah. So, um, it started early, uh, in, uh, November of 2014. So our first meeting together, you know, we kind of sat down and talked about how are we going to touch the lives of 1 million children. And, and while that was Vanita's dream, Sangeet and I internalized that, uh, pretty quickly. It resonated with us. Um, but she's really the spirit behind not only that, but a lot of what we do at building kids and Sangeet does a tremendous amount of, uh, work as well and, and provides uh, a lot of leadership as well. But we found three avenues. And the first one was our company-owned locations. We're helping families every day. We're helping children every day. The second one was we wanted to become a world-class franchisor, but we wanted to turn franchising kind of on its head. What we were seeing in our space and generally in franchising was, this is the one model that works, and we're going to look for the people that fit this one model. And if you fit that one model, then we've got a good you know, business relationship, we can move forward. We wanted to focus on the person and be very flexible with our model. And so we had to really think through that um, because, you know, that is a little bit different mm -hmm. than, than what we normally see in franchising. Um, but that conversation started really early. And then the third way was, um, and again, Vanita's uh, dream, uh, open up a nonprofit and dedicate 25% of our profits as a franchisor 
to helping children, orphan and abandoned children, children with hearing disabilities, vision impairment, um, juvenile diabetes research. We dedicate some money to that. But the idea was that through those three avenues, uh, we would be able to, you know, make a significant impact to as many children as mm -hmm. possible while staying true to our business model. Um, what we learned very quickly was if you help one child see or one child hear or help one child out of poverty, it's not about the number. There's an infinite source of energy there that you can always tap into and feel good about what you're doing every day. Yeah. Wow. So I want I want to make sure that I heard you correctly. Your mm -hmm. nonprofit, you said twenty five percent of mm -hmm. all your proceeds go back to the nonprofit. Is that, that what you said? That's right. Twenty five okay. percent of our profits from building kids worldwide, the franchisor, we dedicate to building futures worldwide, uh, which is our five hundred one c three. Gotcha. Yeah, that we work with, and, and Vanita leads that charge. That's wonderful, yeah. and that's a global. Right here at home and around the world. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But we're here as well. Yeah. Right, right here at home. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, that that is a unique factor, I believe. Not all obviously not all franchisors do that. And so there are a lot of clients that are feel like you did that, hey, I want to get into a business where I can make a difference. It's not right. I mean, obviously everybody wants to make a living. Sure. But that's certainly um a, a differentiator in my opinion, uh, compared to a lot of the businesses out there. Well, and why not be able to make a living? I mean, we have a lot of clients that want both. They want to be able right. to make a living sure. and they want to make an impact on their communities. And, and for different people, that's different ways. But um, I think it's nice when you can marry those two and it's not just about one or the other and you don't yeah. have to give up one for the other. Absolutely. No, abs you nailed it. You know, and, and I think that's a quadrant that we kind of live in, which is doing good for others and also running a really strong business for our franchisees, for ourselves, uh, and, and it's definitely a common thread that's attracted many of the people that chose us uh, and that we chose to join our franchise family uh, was the nonprofit piece that we're here for something more than just doing good and profit. We're actually helping children that we may not ever meet. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's great. So talk a little bit more about your model sure. where you you kind of went into – it's this one model that works and then you get people to fit that. Mm -hmm. But explain a little bit more about how you get your model to fit the people once you find the people. Sure. Yeah. So it's a very flexible business model. And the reason why we wanted to do this, um, one was we cut our teeth in the Bay Area where real estate was a challenge. Um, but two, and most importantly, we're relationship-based people, organization, um, staff, Everything's about the one-to-one -one relationship with our franchisees. And that starts with the cultural connection, um, which is, you know, are you here? What's your why? You know, and what I look for in, in franchisees, what's the why? You know, and if the why is that I have a deep desire to help others, to help my community and also provide for my family and leave a legacy in my community and also for my family, it's usually a good cultural fit for us. And so in order to enable that, you find people that have that cultural connection but don't have the same risk profile for investment. <clears throat> so in order to enable a flexible business model, you really have to um, be prescriptive but also have options. So for example, you can open a building kids school in a church, in a standalone building, in a retail center, or even a converted home. 
the size of our schools, while we normally don't go below 50 uh, children capacity, uh, we've been opportunistic at times and we've gone for as low as 27 children, wow. but our largest campus is over 200 children. Mm. Um, how you open is also extremely flexible. So you can buy a piece of dirt and build on that and have some equity in a property that's being built up through the business that's being run there. Which is excellent for people that want a real estate play because right. we do get those clients. So, totally. Yeah. Right. And that's one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum, you can open up by acquiring a preschool that's for sale and converting it. Right. And so there's some benefits yeah. to that as mm -hmm. well. Um, the services that you offer on campus, uh, while all of our schools offer services for ages two through five, we train, guide, support um, for infants and toddlers and after schoolers up until sixth grade, if the mm -hmm. franchisee believes that that would be a good differentiator for them in their community. So all that flexibility comes in where a franchisee can really feel like it's theirs. Mm -hmm. Right? They're within our framework. They have our guidance, our leadership, our support, um, operationally, marketing, overseeing of financials. But at the end of the day, they really feel like they're a big part of that too. So, so that's where the flexible model really comes in, where we can really um, be very prescriptive about what that investment looks like for the right person that's just joined our franchise family. Thanks for explaining that. It's it's not one size fits all and it's right. not, you know, a lot of people are afraid of franchising because of all the rules, but right. it's nice to know that there is some flexibility in there. So thanks for Sure. Yeah, that. I would say that's a, a key differentiator as well compared to a lot of other brands is that flexibility and the mm -hmm. size of your school and where the location might be and what would be best suited in a particular market or for a particular owner. Right. Yeah, because you know, none of while well, all of our my schools have the same brand on the outside. They're all branded the same. Not one of them looks the same. Not Interesting. one, right? And so we can be uh, thoughtful about what the community wants and values and make sure that if look and feel is really that important, we're doing that. In the Bay Area, you know, we're, you know, we have an epicenter of our campuses. We're in eight states right now. Uh, but we have an epicenter of our campuses in the Bay Area. Parents are really looking for a very safe, nurturing environment. Mm -hmm. They put a lot more weight on the curriculum and the people than the look on the outside. Yeah. That's how they feel when they walk in. Mm -hmm. That's much more important uh, for them. But, you know, in the other states that we've played in, while that's also important, the look and look from the outside is also important. So we found that, you know, we've been able to work through that as well. Oh, wonderful. Cool. So with your expansion, I always like to hear how the franchise evolution happened. So And how easy it was. Yeah, <laughs> and how, how quick and easy it was. So tell us all of that. A lot of deep breathing. Uh, you know, I think you said you did a lot of yoga, right? I did a lot the first year. Would you like me to start with just getting a disclosure document approved in California? You know, or would wow. you like me to start with, you know, um, where we kind of started accelerating our growth? But you know, just real quickly, I mean, I felt like coming from the background that I had in high tech and managing a portfolio of business internationally and growing it and having to deal with different rules and regulations, um, different countries, that I was well equipped to become a franchisor. Uh, I was wrong. I was wrong. Uh, 
the I remember the first four months of 2014. It was a little. I, what I remember about it was so much concern for my future, <laughs> um, as well as concern about the decision I made, not with the people that I was with, but was I really equipped to do what I thought I could do? And getting that first disclosure document out for me was a huge challenge, and it was riddled with mistakes. Riddled. I mean, and I didn't know them. I didn't know. Um, I was so excited uh, in August of 2015 when we got our approval for our FDD uh, in California. And in January of, uh, gosh, must have been, actually early January, earlier of that year, um, I had sat down with Michael Peterson, a franchise beacon, I had uh, run into him at an IFA event and I knew I was in trouble. Actually, that was February of, yeah, February of 2015. I knew I was in trouble because he said, uh, so you have a disclosure document? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm working on it. You know, and he said, oh, okay. He's like, oh, you're going to have an item 19? I said, an item what? <laughs> and he said, item 19. And he started just pinging me on stuff, you know, and I didn't have an answer. And so I took that back and said, all right, you know, obviously I need to learn a little bit more about this, but I'll get it done. I sent that disclosure document to him and he uh, made a decision after talking to me for a little bit and visiting us. He said, I'm just going to do something right for the universe. I'm just going to help you out. And it was one of the uh, best decisions that, and one of the easiest ones that I'd had to make uh, being responsible for franchise development for the company and working with Michael Peterson. Um, and when you talk about, you know, how did this journey go into franchising? Um, Michael Peterson helped us avoid so many pitfalls and helped us grow um, in so many different ways and just expanding our awareness, forget about knowledge and adoption of a position, just awareness of how do how does franchise development work? Um, and what are the different uh, channels that you have to find uh, potential franchisees? And Kevin Hine, as our general counsel, who's not uh, Ackerman, was another incredible uh, member to join our team and our family um, who helped us out also. So that next version of that disclosure document was much cleaner. And we've made revisions to that. But in 2016, we converted some of our company-owned campuses uh, to franchise locations just to have some proof in the system. Um, our first franchisee uh, we thought was going to, you know, that signed with us uh, came from Building Kids. She was an employee. That's a great sign. That you know? is when an employee will invest because obviously they believe in you. They've worked there and they've seen yep. who you guys really are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 that's and, the hardest one to sell is that first one. It right? is, Gosh, yeah, for sure. Because it's so much about, look, we're doing it. You can too, but it's still theoretical, uh -huh. right? Um, and you told us a story about being at an, a franchise show of some sort. Yes. You had a hundred leads, and you're oh. so excited, <laughs> so excited. And then how oh, yeah. none of them panned out. Oh, zero. yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, uh, yeah. It was a very funny failure story. Um, <laughs> Sangeet and I, as soon as we got our disclosure document, we said, we got to put ourselves to work. And so I said, you're coming with me. We're going to go to this franchise show in LA. 
And, uh, and we went there, had a great time. And on the way back, we were high-fiving each other. And I said, we met so many people. I've got contacts. I've 100 leads. You know, we're good. We're good. This we're is going to be unreal. Yeah, right? we're going to take over. Was this the big IFA franchise show? No, it was a different show in LA. It wasn't okay. the IFA one. It was a different one. It was in November of uh, 2015. Okay. And that was our soft launch. Okay. So, you know, we took we, we took all of our materials out there for our booth. We drove out from San Francisco and got out there, had a great show. And I started, you know, quote unquote, working the leads mm-hmm. when I got back. And uh, I remember him coming up to me on Friday and he's like, you know, how's it going? I said, so we're gonna be, I think we're going to be okay. And he's like, well, how many people are you in touch with? And I said, about 10, you know? And so- and 10 that, out of 100. 10 out of 100. Okay. Some people were like, how'd you even get my number? They forgot they'd even talk to me. <laughs> yep. Been you know? there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> right? so I was just like, oh my gosh, you know? And uh, within two weeks after that, there were none. It just either didn't make sense cultural fit or they didn't have the finances or- you know, I didn't do a very good job of scanning. I was telling more than listening, you know, at that time. And so, yeah, so so that happened. Um, but after our first franchisee signed and we converted one of the locations, our very second franchisee was in Kentucky. So it was our first out of state, mm-hmm. which was at a very, at a young time in our development was a really significant challenge because at that time we were five M, you know, five total uh, people in the company, three owners, two employees. Um, and so that was a significant challenge. But once we, we converted a few more locations and then demonstrated over the next year that, you know, this works, it became a little bit easier for us to showcase that there is value in working with us. There is value in, uh, the franchisees are saying there's value. We could validate a little right. bit more than just us talking about it, but really uh, awarding franchises through validation, right? As opposed to around it. Yeah. Um, and that's what we've been doing ever since. And, uh, you know, along the way, we've picked up a few awards, which has been great. We've been recognized by the Entrepreneur uh, Magazine as one of the fastest growing uh, franchises. Um, or best franchises in, in the country, which is a great recognition. Uh, we were super appreciative and uh, very excited to be recognized by them. Um, and, and we're continuing to develop. We've signed 58 agreements uh, to date. We've got 36 franchise locations across eight states now, five company-owned locations. And um, I expect, expect us to be at in 10 states by the end of the year. Um, and we should uh, break through 43 or 44 franchise locations before the end of the year uh, with our eyes set on how do we get to a, a hundred in a, in a, in a way that's scalable and that doesn't compromise our quality of support for our franchisees. Um, let's and doesn't, talk, sorry, sure. let's talk about that because sure. there are franchisors that will stop developing for a while and stop and shut down franchise sales because they, they do need to stop and, because once all your stores start opening, sure. there's right. a lot more people to support, right? That's right. So um, can you talk a little bit about that? And then how are you different today as a franchisor than you were back then? Because I think you've learned a few things along the way, right? Yes. No, we, we definitely have. We've learned a lot, but we've also grown a lot. The organization is much larger now. Um, and it's deeply committed to the franchisees, the relationship. You know, that whole idea that we're relationship people, that the 
the relationship between us and a franchisee is one-to-one. It's not one-to-many. Mm-hmm. We back that up. Every single one of our franchisees has an operational lead, has a marketing lead, and has a finance lead to help oversee all aspects of the business and ensure they're on the right path to profitability. Nice. We didn't have that in 2016. Um, we had some of the a lot of the knowledge from Vanita being in the industry. Mm-hmm. Sangeet and I our knowledge has really ramped up over the last few years being in this industry as owners and also as a franchisor. So we've been able to take our collective experiences from corporate America and make a lot of process-driven decisions on the data-driven decisions on the back end while maintaining a, a front-end focus of being a home away from home for children and for parents um, so that the franchisees can feel that and be very flexible with parents. But on the back end, the decisions that we make for uh, location identification, assessment, uh, lease negotiations, pre-opening activities, post-opening activities, um, ongoing operational marketing, financial support, those things are not possible without a highly competent organization and highly driven organization, um, an organization of people that are committed with uh, a great sense of values that they bring to the table, but then a commitment to the direction that Vanita Sangeet and I are pushing for the organization. And um, I think with any small business, you don't have the luxury of redundancy. If everyone doesn't bring their A game, you feel it. And so we've, we're very fortunate from that aspect as well, that the team that's there, the Building Kids family, the team that we have um, is, is bringing their A game. You know, they work well together for each other. It's not about just what your role is. Let me pass it on to you. It's here's a problem we need to solve. We're going to get the, you know, a few people in the room together and solve it for, for the franchisee. So that's a big difference today. The experiences over the last few years going through a pandemic I mean, that that was huge. Mm-hmm. You know, that crystal ball had a lot of fog in it. You know, it was really difficult. And you did it yeah. a, with your home office in, in a state that was tough. It was tough. It was tough yeah. to stay, I mean, connected with our franchisees. Franchisees stay connected with the families. For us to stay connected with our team, it was so challenging. Um, and I was naive. I thought our economy... Our country, I'm going to shut down. Okay, four weeks, six we all weeks. That. That's that's it's really, going to go away, and right? Then, uh, business as usual. Yeah, no, everybody thought, no. oh, two weeks, three weeks, and you know, we'll take a little break and we'll be back to normal. Right. Let's do a few staycations. Yeah. You know, let's take some time off. You know, uh, and I was wrong. Well, we all were. Right. And uh, <laughs> and so <laughs> it's uh, but what what it gave us was an opportunity an opportunity to bond even tighter and have the challenges in our relationship be external to us as opposed to between us. Yeah. It really cleared up a lot of you know interpersonal things that could have been happening between franchisees and the team or us and the, as owners and the franchisees or even you know between the team and us as owners. All that went away and it became secondary and it was a singular focus from thriving to surviving mm-hmm. first. And so we went online quickly, um, and our industry doesn't function online mm-hmm. at all. You can't have an 18-month-old staring at a computer. Yes. It doesn't work that way. 
children don't develop that way. It's very harmful for them to be sitting there staring Mm -hmm. at a screen uh, for that long. But we did was we try to take things online and replicate the things that we were doing in the classroom so that parents would have something to do with their children at home and continue to help them develop while these children are not getting exposed to other people their size during the fundamental years where they're forming uh, mentally, emotionally, physically. And so all those learnings, right, Um, the PPP, EIDL, ERTC, renegotiating, you <laughs> Those know, are these acronyms terms. we all hope we never have to <laughs> right? hear yeah. again. So helping yeah. our franchisees navigate through that. Um, I think what it ended up doing, though, is it just built more strength in the relationship. And uh, and it gave us, the, now that we're out of it, and we really are, we, we hit pre-pandemic numbers, uh, started coming back in December of 2021, 2022, was much better than uh, 2019 and 2020, of course, for us. I lost 60% of our revenue within five weeks in March to April of 2020, right? Um, but but the family stuck together. Uh, you know, everyone took cuts, uh, you know, everybody, uh, just to say we could all stay together. And it spoke volumes about the character of the people um that come in every day and just do the work, mm-hmm. but they come in with such a strong set of values. So I was, I, I was uh, deeply appreciative of the universe allowing me to be surrounded by such amazing people. And it really showcased at a really challenging time. So all those things make us a different company today than what we were in 2016. We could do a whole other uh, episode, I'm sure on how you survived COVID and the mm-hmm. shutdowns in California. Yeah. Um, Thank you for coming on today and sharing all of your knowledge with us and your experiences. Everyone's got a different story. We love hearing from founders. If it weren't for the true entrepreneurs in this world, um, we, there would be no franchises right. for us, right? right. So, so if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, how would they find you? Yeah, buildingkids.com slash franchising. Um, you know, and, or just uh, go to buildingkids.com and just click on the franchising uh, button there or uh, Michael P., at buildingkids.com if you want to email them. Uh, but that's the best way to get a hold of us, learn a little bit more about us, is to talk to us. Uh, happy to share our journey and see how we fit into the vision of our franchisees and the candidates that come forward and what they really want to do with their lives and how we can help them get there. And when you reach out, be sure to mention that you saw him on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, you can find Sarah and I on LinkedIn. I'm Roxanne Rapsky, R-A-P-S-K-E, and Sarah with no H, Wasco, W-A-S-K-O-W. You can also find us on frannet.com and and on our YouTube channel at Frannet of Dallas, Fort Worth, and Oklahoma. And you can find Unpredicted Entrepreneur on any of the podcast platforms. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day. Bye. 